Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new. Thank you for joining us on Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on the third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Let us all allow our minds to be lifted upwards as this hour of truth invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Today, on A Radio Live, your host, Richard Lawrence, is joined by his guest and good friend, Brian Kniep, Executive Secretary of the American Headquarters of the Aetherius Society in Los Angeles and author of Operation Earthlight, A Glimpse into the World of the Ascended Masters, as well as being the co-author with Richard of The King Who Came to Earth, the biography of Dr. George King. Today, they will be discussing Dr. King's last mission, Operation Power Light. So without further ado, as always, it is my great pleasure to hand over to Richard Lawrence and his guest, Brian Kniep. Thank you very much, Nikki, and welcome to Aetherius Radio Live. As Nikki says, we're delighted to be on BodyMindSpiritRadio.com uh, and uh, also to welcome Brian, my very good friend Brian, my co-author of The King Who Came to Earth, as Nikki there said. And of course, Nikki, as you all know, I think is our producer of this show. And I just make one little correction that, of course, at the moment, it's not 6 p.m. UK time, it's 5 p.m. UK time, because the clocks are slightly out of sync at the moment between uh, the USA. We haven't yet moved our clocks forward, but we will do before the next show. We'll be back to 6 p.m. on the next show. Now, I want to introduce uh, Brian. You've heard him many times before, I think, on Ethereus Radio Live, if you're a regular listener to this show. And as you know on this show, we do vary it, and sometimes we, we go into something of a more introductory nature, uh, people who aren't so familiar with the Ethereum Society, but also it's an opportunity for our very experienced uh, listeners, people who perhaps, we, we have people who've been in the Ethereum Society for over 50 years who listen to this show and also find they're learning new things. And I think today is going to be one of those examples because we're going to look at the last mission, the last great mission performed by Dr. George King, Operation Power Light, which commenced in, on, on March the 18th. 1993 and nobody I would say on the physical plane of earth in a non-ascended body I would have to say that has more experience of what we're going to be talking about than Brian does because he was literally on every one of the 44 phases of operation power light and this is a mission which is different from some of our other missions because it's not a mission we can still perform uh, it's not like Operation Sunbeam or the Saturn mission or, or, or Operation Prayer Power or Space Power. It's a mission which depends entirely on Dr. George King. He was the karmic anchor. I think Brian will probably go into more depth on that when, we, when I start hearing from him. I think it's an opportunity for us to really hear from someone who was there. He was there on every phase. He was there in the presence, uh, often in the, in the same a room or motorhome as Dr. King while it was going on. He observed it at close quarters and he was also the keeper of the um, logs of the event afterwards, uh, the court of the mental transmissions and so on. Um, so I'm going to go over to Brian, but just before I do, let me just explain very briefly what we're talking about here. We're talking about a mission which required the presence of Dr. George King from a karmic point of view, as everything he did was a karmic manipulation from beginning to end. And in this particular case, that was used, even though, and we're talking 1993 to 1996, three and a, just over three-year period, he was extremely poorly. I mean, I saw that firsthand many times just how poor he was actually he was very fortunate to be present on one phase of operation power light performed from santa barbara from his residence or rather in the motorhome on his residence and it's amazing that he did it 
at all. But Brian uh, was one of those who really looked after him in his poor health. But even that he used as a karmic manipulation. And this is what enabled the mission to take place and involved various elements which we'll go into as, uh, as we develop in this interview with Brian. But I, I'd like to start, if I may, Brian. And by the way, Brian, welcome to the show. Well, first of all, thank you both, Nikki, for producing it and Richard for being there, as always, making this such a fantastic way of getting uh, information and truth out to uh, those who are ready to listen. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for being here with us. And I'd like, Brian, if we could, to start at the very beginning of this mission. And from what I can gather of it, it started in kind of an unexpected way. It reminds me a little bit of how the Saturn mission started up in Scotland. Sort of a, nobody really knew. It wasn't called the Saturn mission at the beginning, and something just developed. And this even more so, uh, because you were going to Lake Kachuma, and I know I've had the pleasure, Alison and I have been there with Ashima and yourself. You've, you've shown us where this all started um, can I leave you to explain how it sort of suddenly turned into a mission sure it was it was fairly soon after Dr. King uh, uh, left the hospital with, with two very major operations with an aorta resection and then a double bypass uh, just following that within, like, within a, a matter of days two major operations, and it took him a long time to recuperate. Um, one time in between those operations, he, he was literally died on, in, in, the, in, the, in the room. They had to revive him. So he had a very difficult time. It took him some time to recuperate. And he, he had a motorhome being built for him, um, a custom, kind of a modified custom motorhome in Panola, California, called the Lazy Days. And he was really, it kind of helped him get through the whole surgery. But um, once he was able to move around again, we would start, I would start taking him different places in the motorhome uh, nearby to um, where he was convalescing in, in Santa Barbara. And one time we went a bit further than we normally went to uh, that, the lake you were talking about, Lake Kachuma, about 40 minute drive over some mountains uh, into this uh, reservoir. And at that time, Sector S2 was insistent on always having travel coverage operations uh, from the spiritual energy radiator whenever Dr. King went anywhere by, by vehicle. And so this was being run as we left uh, his home in Santa Barbara up to Lake Kachuma. And then the, the standard procedure would be when we would stop somewhere for lunch or whatever, I would then contact Los Angeles and tell them to stop running the SER. Uh, this time, we got to Lake Kachuma, and um, I, I said, okay, we're here, and we're all set up. And I said, shall I inform uh, L.A. to stop the SER? And he said, no, it seems that Sectress 2 wants to continue running the SER. And so he, he did. And we found out that he was, uh, Sectress 2 was kind of experimenting and was putting energy through Dr. King um, into the reservoir. Um, and uh, so it, it kept the SCR kept going all the way until we got back to Los Angeles, to, um, to Santa Barbara. And as, as the days and weeks progressed, it, it turned out that Sector S2 was trying to develop a, a new mission, which could be, could be used by Dr. King. And then some, some time later, on March 18th, we went back to, to um, uh, Lake Kachuma, and that was when the first phase started. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. You made one little remark I'd like to, just to take you back to, if I may, there. You said that he, he died in the room. I think you said he had to be revived. Was that in the hospital uh, you're referring the hospital, to there? Right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, because I was, was um, there. I remember I was over for, during that period. And, that's yeah. right. So he was what, what could you just um, – I think people might have picked up on that and be interesting to know what exactly happened there when, when he died in the room. Well, he was um, – uh, Oh, I don't know, a day or two or three after the first surgery. Um, yeah. And they were concerned about the first surgery because uh, they did detect that his heart uh, had these two partial blockages. And so they, they, they weren't quite sure if they, they wanted to do the heart surgery first or the uh, aorta resection uh, first. Uh, but uh, it, it was chosen to do the, the aorta resection first. And so then following the, um, that surgery, uh, his, heart, um, his heart stopped. Uh, because of the all the mm. you know 
complexities. And so then uh, Lady Monique, uh, myself, and Richard were in the room, and we were, uh, he, he turned, you know, kind of gray. And uh, they rushed in, and we got booted out. Uh, and I forgot I saw his um, surgeon, uh, uh, Dr. Smith, basically running down the hall of the hospital uh, into the room to, uh, to revive him. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting piece of, very significant piece of history, because without that, we'd have had no Operation Powerlight at all. So, well done, Dr. Smith. I think he'll be duly (laughs) rewarded somewhere at some point for that That great act. But coming back anyway to the the mission, so um, he would be in his motorhome driven by yourself. That's Lazy Days uh, is the sort of commercial name of that motorhome, isn't it? Did it, did he have a nickname for the motorhome? Or just well, he always called would call it, it the, the lady. The lady, exactly. The yeah, lady. beautiful, yeah. beautiful. And so um, you, you were down there and suddenly this mission developed and some of the energy you were saying was going through Dr. King. And was that energy, as far as you knew, from that was gone through the SER first? Or was that some other source? Or was that not yet revealed at that stage? I don't think it was specifically revealed, but my, my understanding was that it was energy going through the SER and then through Dr. Right. King. Right. And, yeah, and so it got started, and, of course, the the purpose of the mission was given fairly early. World peace and upliftment, I believe, was what the mission was done for. And it was performed under the direction of S2, who wanted to name it, and and you revealed this in the the biography, or we revealed it, Sector S2's name for this mission was going to be Operation King Light, which, again, is very revealing because it tells you it wouldn't really be done without him. But uh, right. Dr. King didn't like that. Well, how did he react to that? Well, he just he, he didn't, you know, he didn't want, uh, didn't want his he name. He didn't want his name put forward. And no. He, you know, so he, you know, he just, um, just said, nope, that's not going to be it. So he just uh, gave another <laughs> name for it. Just, uh, Operation Powerline. It was a non-starter. Exactly. Now, talking of Sector S2, I mean, I understand from, you know, the many conversations we had uh, at the time and, um, you know, being over there and listening to you because you kept a record and you would transcribe, I think, the various mental transmissions of which there were many that he received. And the two most regular communicators, as I understand it in that period, were Sector S2 and Adept, adept number five, both of it, whom he seemed to have a very close, if I can say, personal relationship with. Would you say that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, of course, Nixie 005 is one of his uh, brothers in arms, of course. Yeah. And uh, he's very, very close to Nixie 005. Um, and Sector S2, you, know, you don't, you never really understood or understand how they got close, um, but but certainly uh, he was very very close to Sector S2, especially in the last uh, I don't know at least ten years of his life. And, and I think you're right. Um, most communicate. I haven't really done a, a post analysis, but I certainly no. anecdotally it was definitely the two of them. And you know, every so often he he would be communicating with Nick with um, Sector S2. Um, in a non-recorded manner. One time I remember I was driving, driving him somewhere in the Buick, and, you know, as you know, Richard, because you drove him quite a bit, um, he yeah. liked to be spoken to, you know. You, you want to, you know, have a nice time in the car. Absolutely, so I was, yeah. I was starting up a conversation, and he kind of um, quickly uh, waved his hand as if saying, uh, don't, you know, stop talking. And then uh, a few minutes went by, and then he said, well, I was, I was speaking with the sectors too at that time. And so th- these things wow. would happen every so often. Mm. Uh, more often than not, it would be uh, at night when there wasn't anyone else around. But, you know, that particular situation, there was somebody else around. Yes. He, uh, I mean, I, I certainly would vouch. I mean, on car journeys, and, and not only in America, but in England here, when he came over here and Scotland, I mean, so many things would be forthcoming. It would be like a, sometimes a non-stop stream of ideas, of all of which I was expected to note down, but I was driving at the time. <laughs> and have to, you know, the first moment I had where we stopped was trying to write down all these numerous flow of inspired ideas that had come up on the journey. But in terms of, of Sector S2, I do remember being over there one time, and I'm sure you must have transcribed this, and Dr. King tried to find out more about him and asked him. He said, yes, but who are you really? 
uh, some question like that and I think the reply from Secretary S2 was I'll answer as you would probably answer have a nice day <laughs> so there was lots of little humorous quips and repartee between them oh absolutely um, absolutely and of course Sector S2 also had a team didn't he and I'm not sure whether it was five in total or him plus four others or him plus five others I think it was five including him I believe including him yeah so Sector S2 and team and it included two particular ladies didn't it that team that's right um, and we it was quite significant at one point because they they took a hand um, in putting energy into one of our per-power batteries. Uh, I think mm. every so often we would uh, discharge our per-power batteries for storage to the adepts, and then they would, after we used the battery for something else or fixed the battery, they'd put the energy back in. And this particular time, they would put they put the back energy back in, but they added what, what they termed heart to it. Wow. Um, and this was How quite beautiful. a significant thing. And, and it, was, it was kind of a bit of a changing point uh, in my mind in the society. Uh, and yes. it was because uh, of the first time we really had contact with um, uh, with female masters. Uh, other than that yes. one time, I remember, of course, back uh, when Lloyd Babaji had to leave, this great uh, great female yeah. uh, master from uh, Uranus. Uh, Uranus, and still, yes. Who, as far Uranus, as we know, she, is still there now. As far as we know, she's still there. That's right. Yeah, so, on Shambhala. Yeah. So but I think um, it was a yeah, nice that change. It was, and, and they were described from my recollection as great scientists, these two ladies, and possibly pilots, or uh, certainly scientists, I believe. So I think scientists, they, they actually, um, I'm, sure they, I'm sure they were pilots, but it, it seems mm. they were more, uh, more specialized nature, and the, the other mm. two, I think, uh, in the team were more the pilots, as, as I understood. I see, I see, yeah, fair enough. So the early phases then, really, and of the 44, really consisted of Dr. King going to a particular location, like Lake Kachuma, like maybe the Mesa, the sort of by the, overlooking the sea at Santa Barbara, or Pismo Beach in, in California Park, also. Griffith Park. Griffith in, uh, Park, Santa okay, Monica, right. The pier, pier on, San, on Santa, Santa Monica, down there. Pier on Santa Monica, great. Yeah. Yeah. And you would drive him in the motorhome, and then the spiritual energy radiator in Los Angeles would be running throughout. And in the early phases, a portion of that energy would be sent through Dr. King personally, and then it changed, um, and so that the energy was collected, started to be collected from one or more holy mountains and manipulated right. by other cooperators as well who joined in or joined the team of that operation. Um, and we were told then, uh, and I think it was around phase 12, I could be slightly out, but that sort of thing, that the energy was no longer being sent through Dr. King personally. Was that because of his health? Uh, I didn't take it to be because of his health. Um, mm. It was a huge change, and I, I think that this was a, um, an improvement or, or a modification or a, uh, a, a a, a ramping up of the power of the of the mission, and there was yeah. after phase twelve, there was a two or three month um, lapse, and during that time, uh, Sector S two actually went to the uh, protectors of the flame of the logos of Earth uh, to gain permission to use the energy um, from the mountains in this way. That's interesting. And then, mm. and then after doing that, making sure it was possible, then he approached, um, our master, uh, for permission mm. to, to use the, this energy in this way. Um, and so it was, wow. it was a huge change, a huge increase in, uh, manipulation mm. on that. And so that they couldn't put that amount of energy through Dr. King. So it, it just, it, it, it no, exactly. And it would seem as though, you know, he'd manipulated karma in the early phases himself to enable it to go, you know, a bit like some of the other missions to be enhanced and, and expanded maybe. Um, well, I think that's you, part of it. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, please go on. Well, it, it also um, may be a situation where sectors two was, was figuring out how best to use the karma that Dr. King had already put in place on Earth. Uh, yeah. 
You know, I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's interesting to know, and I just, just realized uh, earlier today, actually, that the first mission ever was, of course, Starlight, where he worked tremendously hard uh, with a small team yeah. of people to charge, you know, to be the initial charge with his energies. And suffered. Um, yeah. And it took three years and one month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this, I was thinking and this the same. One, <laughs> and this one yeah, it was almost the opposite. Because he, he, he had it physically very easy, certainly in comparison yes. to uh, the first one. And again, it, it lasted uh, three years. And this three time years and one month. <laughs> yeah. It was just under two. That yeah, that's it. That's it. And from your standpoint, as the person who was there all the time in all phases, and um, and were you, by the way, when I say you were there all the time, would you be like in the motorhome with him throughout a phase, or would you come in and out as according to what he wanted, or did it vary? Yeah, I, I would. It vary. I'd come in and out. It varied. It was it was two hours normally, and mm. so you'd go in there and you'd give him a cup of tea or, or you know give him a sandwich maybe or something. And uh, the, the one interesting thing though was I was not allowed to touch him. During those early mm. phases, he made a point mm. of that, and I said, "Then just going to me and you can't." Because sometimes, otherwise, I'd be giving him a little massage here and there if he got stiff, mm. etc." Mm. And uh, so that did change um, afterwards. Mm. But uh, for the first twelve, yeah, you couldn't, um, you, you couldn't be touched. That's interesting. And of course, it's that two-hour thing is a kind of seems to be. I mean, it's not a rule, but a regular thing with with uh, Operation Space Power Two from Central Control under Sector S Two is to do a two-hour run here and a two, you know, which is in terms of Space Power Two, three thousand prayer hours. It's interesting right. that this mission was two hours as well. So, yeah. from yeah, your perspective, vary, there was like. A couple of them were three hours, and one of them was an hour right, and 15 minutes. Right. So it did vary, but you're right, by almost, almost all of yeah. them were two hours, exactly. Right. And from the person who was like there and often in the, the place where, it was, where the Dr. King was, did, it, did you notice, or were you possibly too busy doing your, performing various tasks, but did you notice any kind of change when it moved from energy coming through Dr. King to the mountains and all the other cooperators, which we'll go on to in a minute, coming in to help? I can't say that I felt um, a big change in the amount of energy, uh, you know, where I was. No. Mm. No. And, I mean, I know that Dr. King was sort of told that he, there were, you know, he could relax almost a bit more. As long as he was there, he could, you know, and he would sometimes have a, a, a drink, wouldn't he, or a cup of tea or a, right. maybe a, a sandwich or yeah. something during the actual uh, performance of the mission. Did that, right. Was that something else that changed when he was no longer being used for the energy? Did he take a more apparently, I stress that apparently, relaxed stance in the mission? Would you no, say? I would say um, I would say almost the other way around. He he would be um, he 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 felt that um, while he was there, he he had to, he, he had to focus on it, and uh, mm. one way of focusing on it was he kept this this uh, tape log of the entire yeah. um, phase every right. time, and uh, here yeah. he would find out. Uh, he would often talk about little things like squirrels or or. Um, the lazy days of where we came, where we went, little things. But then he would also weave in um, where the energy was coming from, who was being used uh, in the later phase, of course. Um, so it was, it was, he was focused in that way. Um, and that yeah. didn't, in anything, if anything, it would have been even more because it was more information to, to gather from Sector S2 on the later phase, after, after phase 12. And I know he'd been told off early on uh, for describing it. I think he used the phrase as money for old rope or some such phrase. And he was told not to say that because it wasn't. It was very demanding on him. It was. It it put a lot out Mm. of him. Yes. And would he sort of afterwards, when you got back, sort of virtually collapse on his bed in... Was he fatigued after a phase of he was fatigued. He was fatigued and he, he, he would always go in for a rest for sure after that, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in phase 10, uh, the energy source is revealed, as far as we know, as far as I know from the records I've seen, for the first time as being central control on a satellite near Jupiter. Now, central control, for newer listeners, is the domain, as it were, of Sector S2 and team, no doubt. And at one time, we understand this was located on the smaller of the Martian moons, Deimos. So, 
that was quite a significant revelation, was it not? That that central control at that point had moved to another location near Jupiter. Yeah, I, I thought that was quite significant. Um, uh, was that he, like a permanent uh, move, or, or do you think? Or that's the way I took it. Yeah. yeah, no, that's the way I took it, was it was a permanent move. Right. But that's they, quite they, an they interesting they revelation. Check with me. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think perhaps they didn't think it was necessary, Brian. I don't know. What I was driving at, I wonder if central control sort of moves regularly or, or whether that was like, did, did Dr. King express any comment on, on that location or was it news to him or do you think he already knew? Uh, you know, he keeps he kept his cards close to his chest. Yeah. On that. He uh, he wasn't. He certainly he, he made a point of it, uh, and yeah. he, he seemed to be so happy about it, and, and not all that surprised by it. Um, but mm -hmm. he, I, I, I hesitate to read much more into it. You know. No, no, fair enough. I, and the other thing I, we were told on this in phase ten is is about additional cooperators. That's the first time that I know of that that's mentioned. Certainly, what's been published. And these were six units of the Great White Brotherhood, which is very interesting in itself, and the adepts. So starting with the adepts, do, do we, I mean, I would take it that very often it would be numbers four, five, or six, or all three of those. Um, do we have any uh, occasions that we know of when all of them, like adepts number two and three, are also in physical bodies and possibly not in great health themselves, both of them, for all I know? Do we know whether it was all the adepts or generally the, the ones that weren't limited to physical bodies, numbers four, five, and six? Uh, the person that I got, again, I haven't gone into it uh, too much no. in depth recently, but... Um, the later phases, um, you know, say from the, uh, 20 on, uh, mm. I think there were quite a few occasions when you had all the adepts, and and some occasions you had a full, you had all, you had the six adepts, you had um, sector S two in teams that would have been five, and you had mix zero zero nine in team which would have been at least six, and then you had mm. the uh, Gotham masses which would have been three, and sometimes mm. you have um other aspects of the Great White Brotherhood in there as well. So you, it was sometimes yeah. quite, a, quite a number of very uh, evolved and powerful masses on Earth taking place, uh, yeah. taking part yeah. in this. In and future. sometimes it would identify, you know, which, like the Lord Babaji would be present, or, you know, under that name, and sometimes as number yes. six. Mm -hmm. um, right. And yeah. sometimes it might be four and five, and sometimes, as you say, it would be the six adepts as a, as a whole group. Right. And... Yeah. There was one where, I thought, phase 14 actually, named the Lord Babaji and the Lord Maitreya, which is the, num you know, the top two um, yeah. masters yeah. You know, in, in the spiritual hierarchy. And I've, I have heard mention of other ascended masters, um, one of whom I'll come on to in a second. But do you remember, recall, um, any other particular masters, such as, for example, was Count St. Germain, to your knowledge? St. Germain, ever? yeah. He was definitely part of it. Um, I can't remember how uh -huh. many, but he, he was, mm. I remember him being part of it, yes. I do know of one because Dr. King was so surprised by this that he actually <laughs> mentioned it. He either phoned me wherever I was. I might have been in L.A. or I might have been but in London. But he, he was very surprised to be told that uh, Sir Francis Drake was uh, right. no disrespect yeah. when I say that to Sir Francis Drake, but he, he, he obviously didn't, the Dr. King didn't know that Sir Francis Drake was an ascended master at that point. And that's a very interesting thing. And I think you know a bit more about what happened uh, in his subsequent lives, Sir Francis Drake, don't you? I don't. I don't, I don't remember that, no. I thought you had mentioned to me that he had two lives after that life. Uh, one of which he was um, a, a monk of some kind. I don't know of which oh, denomination. I, yeah, I think... And 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 the other was with le helping lepers. No, I, no, it comes, I think you are right. I think that is right. Yeah. Um, so that, in other words, that right. wasn't That's his right. sort of his last life. He didn't ascend no. in that life. But it's interesting, isn't it, that um, he would adopt that identity, even though it wasn't his last life, which. 
I think happens. I even this is my opinion I'm giving now. I even think that happens sometimes on the on the higher realms, you know, below the ascended level. That if they've been someone really particularly distinguished in a particular life, which is usable in in a spiritual way, they might reassume that identity for certain purposes when communicating or helping or inspiring, you know, on this world and. Um, it was a very interesting story because you can see, I mean, from what little we know, that Sir Francis Drake didn't ascend in that life, that he died yeah. in that life. Yeah. He's buried somewhere. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I won't repeat what Dr. King said, but he was certainly surprised to find that this was, was an ascended Definitely. master. And, and I think he was quite pleased. And funnily enough, when, when um, Mark Bennett and I were doing the book Prayer Energy and we were looking for significant prayers, we found one by Sir Francis Drake, which is published in that book, actually, which is not what you expect at all from the sort of seafaring. He's almost sometimes yeah. portrayed, probably wrongly, as a pirate, you know, sort of. Yeah. And um, I'm sure wrongly. I'm sure he, did, he saved, well, he certainly helped to save England at one particular time in history, and that changed the course of, of certainly spiritual things in England, which could have been necessary for what was to come with Dr. George King later, who knows? But this particular prayer is called Do, uh, Disturb Us, Lord. It's like the opposite to what you expect. It wasn't give me peace. It was disturb me if I get too um, content, you know. And that's a, an interesting thing, I think. That, that's in the oh, book yeah. Prayer Energy. Anyway, we, we're uh, we've halfway through, so we'll be in serious trouble if we don't go now to our producer, uh, Nikki oh. Perrett, for the halfway announcements. <laughs> Well, it's just so fascinating, a fantastic first half of the show. Thank you so much, Richard and Brian. That's great. You are listening to a serious radio live with host Richard Lawrence and his guest, Brian Kniep, discussing Dr. King's last mission, Operation Powerlight. We will actually be able to show our praise and appreciation of this amazing mission this coming Sunday March the 21st, when we will be commemorating its start with a special service. This will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London at 11 a.m. UK time, and uh, there will also be one live stream from the Temple in Los Angeles at 11 a.m. LA time. So for more details, please visit Aetherius.org. Now, this is good news for all of us and the whole of uh, humanity. 12 midnight GMT, April 18th, held in the first hour of the first spiritual push for 2021, when we will welcome again into orbit of Earth the giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite, which will be flooding our world with much-needed spiritual energy. This spiritual push or magnetization period lasts until May the 23rd, during which all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. The special service to mark this potent first hour will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London and conducted by Richard Lawrence. So please visit Aetherius.org for more details. You are warmly invited, as always, to continue joining us for services, both live stream and online, especially during this very important period. Now, for the next Aetherius Radio Live show on April 20th, we're in for a treat here again. Your host, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be covering an absolutely fascinating subject, the initiation of the solar system. So, that's it for now, and I'm very pleased yet again to return you to Richard and Brian. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you very much. And just before uh, that break, we were discussing some of the interesting uh, masters and cooperators, and, and Brian's mentioned quite a few, of, uh, listed a f quite a few of those uh, that helped the cosmic uh, cooperators. But there's one very interesting uh, tale I think you might be willing to share with us, Brian, about a certain communicator that uh, suddenly uh, started to communicate during phase 13. Uh, phase 13? I think you said it was phase 13, or did I, or was it, did I mishear you? Was it phase 30? Is that the, uh, is that the one from... Um, S-Y-P-P? Uh, oh, no, that, that's, uh, that took place just prior to... Um, uh, phase 13. Uh, okay. And he, uh, that was, it, 
these are the kind of the interesting things that you just uh, you witness being around Dr. King. Uh, and he was he was in in the lady having a cocktail on the uh, the seventh, I think it was, of October, um, and he was approached uh, or contacted psychically by this individual uh, who gave his name as as Sip S Y P P, and he said that he was from the uh, uh, star cluster in the Crab Nebula, and he was uh, visiting Earth uh, on the satellite number three, which was in orbit at the time, and. A short conversation, and he wanted to know if he would be able to um, uh, tune in uh, during the upcoming phase of Operation Parallel, which was scheduled to start in just a few days. We were going to head up to um, Pismo Beach. And uh, Dr. King said, uh, well, if you get permission from Sector 4 uh, and uh, Sector S2, then it's fine with me. Um, and a little short conversation, uh, and then he uh, he went. Uh, went away, and then Dr. King was. Uh, well, Dr. King then contacted um, Sector Four on satellite number three and uh, and asked about him. And it turned out that he was an extremely psychic individual, uh, over two thousand years old in the in the physical body that he was inhabiting, um, and he could um, get through the, uh, the the light screens uh, up on satellite number three to tune into Dr. King. And um, they explained, they kind of explained that there was a little bit of a security leak uh, in as much as that he had found out about the upcoming Operation Power Light uh, because of his hmm. extreme spectability. Um, and hmm. so because of that, they wouldn't allow him to, um, to, to be tuned in during that. But it was quite an interesting, uh, interesting little uh, uh, escapade. And uh, Dr. King had a, yeah. uh, you know, he, he was quite intrigued by the whole thing, frankly. Yes, I mean, I remember him because he, again, he, he told me about that pretty quickly. And, he, you know, he yeah. said that first of all, he thought it was something to do, a joke, somebody joking, because he was having a drink and it was, the name was Sip, <laughs> C-Y-P-P, I think it was spelled. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I just published the book, Unlock Your Psychic Powers, you know, with his permission, but he did make the point to me, see, there you are, it's not just unlocking your psychic powers, it's controlling your psychic powers. <laughs> and that was okay. rubbed yeah. in pretty firmly, which is a fair yeah. point, because yeah. of course it is. But uh, thanks for sharing that. So moving on to, to phase 18, uh, the, the, that was at Pismo Beach, beautiful spot, and worth going there, I think, as a point of pilgrimage, anyone who's mm. in California, uh, because it was so significant to, to Operation Powerlight. Um, the, the, where he stayed is still there. It's got a different name, I think, the hotel now, because when we stayed there, it was called Cottage Inn, I believe, something like that. I think it's Cottage Inn. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, you were recording a video. I think you were must have been on the camera, and Dr. King made this statement which I'd really like to read out which is on this video production which is played and I know it's going to be played for example at the commemoration um, coming up on on Sunday uh, certainly here in London and this is the statement that he made during that phase 18 operation power light has taken a gigantic step forward by by the way at one time the energy was actually sent through me and out to the world and through one or two more people as well but now that has been altered completely now that the mission has evolved to tremendous proportions it is now one of the most important missions on the planet on the planet earth and it has karmic repercussions for the benefit of all of you watching this and all of your children and your children's children in the ages to come you know it has these now tremendous karmic repercussions for instance at the moment there are many adepts involved adept nixie 009 who you all know nixie 0010 nixie 0011 nixie 0012 and of course special advisor s2 who now is on the fourth moon of jupiter i remarked to him when he told me you're not very near the scene of operations are you Reply, oh, yes, yes, almost next door. <laughs> so that was something that he shared on this video, and it's quite amazing that particularly struck that it's going to have repercussions for the benefits of all watching and all your children and your children's children in the ages to come. And, you know, it's almost as though it's, we have to be very careful that we don't overlook just how important this mission is. Later he described it as the mighty of the mighty of the mighty 
Um, it was, seems to me it was a glorious culmination, Brian, of his cosmic and karmic manipulations. Uh, as we said in the biography, actually, we call the chapter in which it's included Blaze of Glory. And mm. it seems, in a way, such a different sort of magic, if you like, from the brilliant uh, but tragic ends of, say, the Master Jesus and St. Peter, the way they... Uh, finally went out, as it were, or died in, in awful conditions. And it seems to, although he suffered tremendously, of course, and let's not take away from that really difficult uh, period for him, is maybe as a great warrior he was, he wanted to end in victory, despite his poor health. And he even used his suffering to sort of bring this glorious ending largely, uh, the, the, the sort of keynote thing being in those years, Operation Powerlight. What was, does that sort of, uh, you and I have talked about this before, but is there anything you want to comment on that? Well, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, he, the last um, few years of his, of his life was extremely difficult, and he, mm. he moved very slowly, certainly in comparison with, with the, um, uh, you know, the vortex of energy that he was earlier in his life. But he, he had set up so many things. Um, and he had an organization behind him. He had uh, the, the third satellite that was coming in. Uh, he had um, Sunbeam, uh, the Saturn mission. He had all these things were going. He had started them, and then they were going. And uh, it's like he could almost um, uh, take his time a little bit to his, his ill health, uh, waiting for the karma to build up, perhaps, and then... Um, uh, adjust these missions for the future, the Saturn mission, Operation Sunbeam. And all the while, he's doing this other, almost, almost behind the scenes, Operation Powerlight, which is sending out tremendous energy uh, and, and doing tremendous karmic good. And it's a funny thing. It was almost, it was almost disguised from you know, the revitalization of the batteries and, and all these other things that were going on with the missions and whatnot. And Powerlight was almost like a, uh, almost like a sidelight. But for him, you know, he was, he was always, um, he couldn't wait to do the next phase of Operation Powerlight. And the only thing that was holding him back was really his health. Um, and as you mentioned, sometimes he even did it when he, maybe he shouldn't have because of his health, but he just desperately wanted to, to do as many phases of powerlighting as he could. Uh, it, it, it is something that we, I think we need to, to do some more research and really pull together all that we know um, of this, this mission, because uh, I think there's a lot behind the scenes in it. I think there has to be a book Brian and I think uh, I think I know who the author of that book uh -oh. should be the man who was there <laughs> but I you know I I, I I sort of hesitate to quote John Lennon in a in a sort of serious context like this but I suppose truth like gold is where you find it and whether it was mm. from him originally I don't know but he said um, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans in one of his songs mm -hmm. and mm. it's like I, I sort of agree with you uh, the way you describe that like all sorts of other plans were being made you know extremely important ones and all the while he was doing this you know he was performing mm -hmm. this mission and everybody who, who was around knew it was priority when it was going on and everything else stopped rightly so and but he didn't sort of put and it was announced and faxes were coming out and so on but it wasn't pushed up into the great the stratosphere in the way that you know no. some of the other missions had been because you know, some beam inspired the galaxy of course and you know in prep everybody was doing it themselves and and yet it was oh, there it was it was going on and it was in its own way as he described the mighty of the mighty of the mighty and mm. i think it has to come out and i think we yeah I, I think we need to be looking at it i'm very glad of this opportunity really to talk to you about it and share this with our listeners on Ethereum radio live because it is so important it really now, is yeah some of the phases, of course, we know the energy source, uh, and from phase 12 onwards, it was usually one or more of the holy mountains, as you mentioned. Right. And I think he had that right. revelation, did he not, on the campus of Santa Barbara University? Is it, was it there? That's when he was told that it was, um, uh, it was allowed to expand, yes. Mm. And 
I, but I notice, you know, I, I haven't sort of done a study of which mountains were used most or and which were used least. But I did notice that as well as the holy mountains charged in Operation Starlight, there's one other mountain that is used quite a lot, and that is Mount Shasta, which That's is Shasta. a very interesting right. addition, isn't it? Yep. Well, I, you know, I did do um, uh, in one of my uh, articles for Cosmic Voice back in the day, I did the research, and the, the two mountains that were used the most uh, were Kinder Scout and Ben Hope. Really? Mm. Interesting. That is interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> Do you think our listeners have worked that out? Because, of course, Kinder Scout was charged by none other than Dr. George King, and Ben Hope was charged by? Mars Sector 8. Mar- Mars Sector 8, of which Sector S2 was a part. Originally, Mars Sector 8 Special Advisor S2 was his original designation. I think he said, and special, and special assistance or special help. Uh, it, it wasn't right. just Mars Sector 8, but it was, it was Mars Sector 8. Right. Ah, oh, that's interesting. So maybe he yeah. was one of those. Might, yeah, might good point. Might have been. How interesting. So you study, you sort of broke it down and, and that sort of thing, I'm sure Dr. King himself didn't work out because he just got it as he got it, didn't he, when it was revealed to yeah. him. And yeah. so that's, that's very interesting. So, but coming back to Mount Shasta for a moment, I know you've been there two or three times, I think, and mm-hmm. I know you promised to take me and I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. I think Alice and I are going to hold you and Ashima to, to our trip there. But it's very significant, of course, to the Aetherius Society because that's where the, the Aetherius Society was visualized. It's a, it's a great white brotherhood retreat and one gets the impression that St. Gulling, if it's not his permanent residence, uh, he's certainly there a lot and he's so important to the, to, to the Aetherius Society, of course, as the one who visualized okay. it. Yes. So well, that, it's, that's it's interesting. a powerful place, and it, it is a it, it when when you go there. Um, well, I've been there, like I say, uh, I don't know three, four, five times, and uh, sometimes more than others. But one time in particular, I had a, a very uh, a very strong feeling um, for uh, Saint Gulling, uh, and mm. this this was on on the occasion of a uh, of an eclipse, solar eclipse. It took place uh, in uh, 2012, and uh, we were there, just a few of us, but we were there at the exact time of the eclipse and did a, um, uh, a little manipulation service um, in honor uh, of the connection between uh, the Ethereum Society and, uh, and the Great White Brotherhood, and, and really, really wow. could feel good idea. Uh, St. Goling's presence there. It was mm. quite, it's a remarkable place. And he's so important to us. I mean, you know, he introduced the 12 blessings. He introduced the nine freedoms. There has to be a real reason for this. And there has to be a reason why Sector S2 included Mount Chester because he could have, I would have thought, mm. have included, I don't know, the Himalayas or, you know, oh, any well. mountain. Yeah. I don't know that, but he picked that one. Of course, it's in California, so it wasn't mm-hmm. too far physically. Whether that's a factor, I don't know. But I would be grateful if you'd share with us this this is a very interesting thing and this is something that only you can really relate because on phase 31 you were personally used in some way you, you it was described and we mentioned it in the biography but we're so, so short of space in the biography we had so much to cover so we couldn't go into a lot of depth and you it was described as you were a karmic point of light what does that really mean, and, and how did you feel? How did that come about on phase 31? Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've been on all of the phases, um, uh, but this particular one I felt um, very tired. Uh, you know, I never really felt tired before. I was in my 30s, you know, and it was not real reason. What was I doing? <laughs> Why would I be tired? Um, but I was extremely tired after that one, and so much so that I remarked to Dr. King, um, that day that I was really tired. Uh, you know, why would I, I wouldn't normally remark to him that I was tired, you know? No, but no, was, he wouldn't uh, have gone for that. No, <laughs> no exactly. Well, I, I for some reason felt that it was important. To, and he then contacted them, mm. um, sectors two later that, uh, that night, um, and, and that the energy source for that one was Colonel Llewellyn. And so apparently oh. a lot of the conversation <laughs> between sectors two and the master was about Kind of the Weldon, which was classified, 
mm-hmm. but he also then asked why was why would I be um, tired? And then that's when Sector Two said I was used as a as the karmic point of light. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it, and to get over it, he said just I should just do some breathing exercises the next morning, and that should uh, should be fine. But that's an amazing uh, thing, isn't it? Because you know to be part of that manipulation in that way yeah, is fantastic. One, one wonders, you know, and one will never know if that happened on other occasions or not uh, to anyone else or not, or to you on other occasions um, or in other situations because um, we would never know if, 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 if uh, Dr. King wasn't here to ask for us and find out. Yeah. But, well, yeah. It, it, maybe, you know, let, if, you, if you take the idea that um, the whole mission started from kind of an experiment by sector yeah. two, um, maybe he, maybe this was another kind of a experiment of, of trying to find out how uh, could they, you know, push the leverage more karma with, with more people, and mm-hmm. you know, so that let's yeah, conceivably then it would would continue to happen, and then they would have fine tuned mm-hmm. it, and maybe we didn't get so tired. I don't know. But uh, and let's yeah. face it, they're all, all these great beings are doing everything they possibly can to help us. Um, mm. And, and they, they, they try and leave no, no stone unturned. Um, I would like to throw out one more thing about that, that same conversation that uh, uh, took place with Dr. King and Sectorus too. I, I'd also mentioned to the Master um, on that phase, phase 31, that it seemed that at least three phases of power light had to do with the... Uh, uh, Lunar phase, um, oh. and I, I said that uh, phase 29 took place on the first day of the lunar cycle, and the last phase 31 took place just over one day prior to the end of the cycle. So three of them were, were in um, that uh, lunar phase. And Sector S2 right. commented and said, "He said yes, that was um, that this view was indeed in on the right track." And complimented Brian on his excellent research. So it's uh, uh, didn't say exactly. Well, it was good. on well the right done. track. That's interesting. Well, it's yeah. nice to be told you're on the right track by a cosmic <laughs> master. I must say. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. And of course, we yeah. know that Dr. King himself used people to bring certain karmic manipulations for their benefit, but also for the benefit of the oh, world. But in this case. It was arranged by Sector S2, uh, an amazing thing indeed. And, and sometimes we're, we're given the, the cooperators and sometimes not. But I noticed that from phase 38 onwards, and this may not mean anything, but in, in the listing I've got, primary terrestrial mental channel is listed among the cooperators. Um, so I don't know if that indicates that he was used in some way in those latter phases or it's just a a change in the way of, of, uh, of listing the phases? Um, it, it needs some more research, but right now I, I think yeah. it was just he felt that, you know, he was, he, he should be included. Uh, because he should. He of course he should, yeah. it, You know, and so I think, <laughs> well, I could be wrong, but I think that <laughs> I think you're probably right. I mean, and, and, you know, amazing that he, you know, he because without him, none of them could have done it, could have done anything. And this is, I mean, he was like the perpetual karmic point of light, wasn't he? And I, and I wonder if that played out in his own health, his own fatigue, you know, rather like you experienced, you know, that he was... Was he ever poorly? Because I know that Mars Sector S2, I do remember on occasions when I was staying there with you in Santa Barbara with him and with your, yourselves, that Sector S2 would be concerned about his health and whether he was fit enough and would he be fit enough to do a phase. And he seemed to keep uh, close tabs on, on Dr. King's health. Well, he, he did. And, and he was the one that um, really insisted uh, that Dr. King... Uh, do health runs, uh, you know, SCR runs for his health. And he also insisted right. on uh, us doing runs anytime we went anywhere uh, with Dr. King in the car. And so he, in that way, for sure, he was always uh, trying to push any means possible for improving the master's health. And so sometimes we would have the SCR running and then we'd be giving the Dr. King healing. And uh, yes. I, think, I think in many cases this was arranged by a sector S2. Yes. Actually, uh, Alison's here with me. 
assisting me here and she just passed me a, a, a quote from a mental transmission received on the 29th of September 1992 so just months before the mm. mission started and this is mm -hmm. from the karmic lord Mars Sector 6 and this is the statement even during severe illness you are still a great man mm, nice. that yeah. sort of says it that summarizes power light in yeah. one aspect I think yeah yes, it yeah. Does. yeah yeah so, yeah well that's a lot of karma mm. so moving on then uh, in addition to sector s2 and team the cosmic intelligence is some of them you've named the masters from Gotha the six adepts adept number nine and team and then but this is very interesting I noticed on phase 43 the penultimate phase there was a special observer from Saturn do you do you okay. remember that did did, did Dr. King comment on that or why a Saturnian would be observing at that point? He, he didn't say much about that. He, he was, um, he, it, he was, I think he was surprised by it. Um, mm. But then again, you know, somewhat similar to when uh, it happened, he requested uh, Oh, for um, uh, the June plan, he made mm. that request uh, for that, and it just so happened at the same time when he made that request, a Saturnian was was present at that time as well. So it's really? he might have just yeah. Um, yeah yeah I think it's almost like the, the, these things kind of seem to pop up um, at mm. significant times. I think he was more reflective of that, and interesting that the yeah. next one then was the last was the last phase. Indeed, and of course it was, as I say, near the end, so the final near one the after end. that was on yeah. May the 6th, 1996, so this is right. just over a year before his passing, as it turned out, in July, yep. Of, yep. July the 12th, '97, and that was phase 44, and of the four mountains used, two of them were charged by himself in one capacity or another, Carnid Llewellyn as adept number one, Kinder Scout as his eminence, Sir George King. That's kind of interesting, isn't it, that the, the two of, of the mountains yeah. on that last phase. Yeah. Yeah. Did, he, did he know that it would be the last phase? or did it, How did that sort of end then? What, what happened uh, after that? I don't think that he knew. He certainly didn't tell us, and, and we, we kept trying, or certainly I, I kept trying to get him to do some after that, um, mm. but he just was never, never seemed to be well enough. Um, no, because he, he was very, very ill that last year. Absolutely. Um, I mean, May 1996, when we think there's, I mean, he just did, he completed the last change to the Saturn mission MO in August of 96. It was really, I mean, touch and go, wasn't it, at that point? you know, May yeah. of 96, and incredible that he'd done it. And, you know, you, you I, I also noticed that you drove to lots of location in the earlier phases, but from phase 22, so virtually the last half, they were either mm -hmm. performed in the motorhome in his front garden. In fact, I think all of them were, except for one, was from the temple mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. I mean, I was the one I was very lucky to be there, I mean, I just remember... You know, sitting in the kitchen, I wasn't really, I was there, but I wasn't sort of a team member in the way that you were. But he just walked from his office down the corridor slowly through the mm -hmm. kitchen and, and out to the motorhome and went in and, you know, took his position. And this, yeah. I mean, this could have been phase 42. It's really towards the end. And mm -hmm. he seemed, but nevertheless, he was like determined. And I think there's been a question mark over really whether he really was well enough, but he he was set on doing it. And it was a remarkable demonstration of his absolute resilience. So in the sort of remaining minute or so that we've got, I mean, would you do you want to share any comments about Dr. King's incredible resilience despite all odds, which is really manifested in Operation Power Light? Well, he, it just illustrates uh, that he was incredibly determined to do the most he possibly could for mankind on Earth. And he's, it's almost like he's dialing um, his health um, and the karma and what he can do uh, to, to the extreme degrees. To, you know, he's, I, think that we, I think we all imagine that he was manipulating tremendous karma with his health, uh, but he didn't want it to go so far with that where he couldn't then do 
these other things. So he was, he was just he was just maxing every every aspect of his life to um, to try and do as much as he could and put the world uh, and, and I have to say the Ethereum society in in a comic position to continue um, uh, what he pushed forward in the cosmic plan. And and he just would just just that was just the most important thing, and nothing could stop it, stop from doing that. Thank you so much. The master who never quits, it said in one of the Cosmic mm. Voices at the time. Mm. And thanks very yeah. much for joining us. Brian Kniep giving us his experiences, <clears throat> his insights, like nobody else really could on Operation Powerlight. And that brings this show to an end. And I hand over now to our producer, Nikki Parrott. Thank you both. Well, thank you both. My goodness, goodness, for sharing such really personal insights and thank you so much for the inspiring thoughts thank you you have been listening to a serious radio live which is your cosmic connection the third tuesday of each month visiting a will provide you with details of the intensive program of services live streamed from the Aetherius temples in london and los angeles together with its online 12 blessing services at 12blessings.org and that's 12 in digits Further information and full details of various publications and audio titles that are available as e-books, CDs or downloads can also be obtained from our website. You're very welcome to connect with your hosts Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their respective websites chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. You're also warmly invited to visit Brian's website and that is all in lowercase Brian Kniep, and that's K-E-N-E-I-P-P dot com, Brian Kniep dot com. Well, we do hope you have enjoyed listening to Aetherius Radio Live, and we really look forward to your company next month.